everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Top Producing Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Jin. And I'm your co-host, Shane Carvalho. We got a fun one for you today. Um, it's not something that everyone always likes to talk about, but it's a really important topic to talk about, and that's money. And not just money, but also how to keep track of not only your revenue, but your expenses, and why profit is really the key metric that you should be tracking in your business. Yeah, Michael, and I agree. And it's interesting too, because obviously after, you know, knowing you for a while and you and your magic spreadsheets, um, <laughs> you know, I know that you probably know to the cent where you're at year to date. And, um, you know, a lot of us in real estate, we, especially me, I mean, it's been so many years now that, you know, we get into the business and, you know, we're all concerned about learning the business and training on how to sell and everything else, but nobody really teaches you um, you know, that, Hey, that 1099, that gross money, that's not all your money. And so, um, you know, I'm excited to kind of dive into, you know, just some tips and tricks on how to manage your income. And then, you know, I'll let you be analytical with, uh, you know, your detailed spreadsheets. Um, yeah, I mean, I we could, we could talk about some of the tools and, and stuff, but I mean, I think, you bring up a great point, which is, you know, first let's start off on the, let's start, I mean, with profit, you kind of kind of have to talk about two sides of the equation, right? You got to talk about the revenue side, which I think a lot of people are, especially agents are really good about knowing, right? Because it's something you can certainly use to advertise, you know, how, how well you're doing in the business. And then there's the other side that people don't really keep track of very well, which is the expense side. But even on the revenue side, you brought up an interesting point. It's like, you know, as realtors, we get 1099s from our brokerages. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't pay taxes. You know, it's not like a corporate paycheck where you have deductions, you you know, right. on every paycheck where you pay a portion of federal tax, state tax, social security, all this other stuff. And so that's one important thing. If you're not aware of your 1099 where you're just getting started in the business, you probably should realize that paycheck that you get to your point chain, that's not, um, that's not your net income that you're getting that revenue number is going to go down and it's going to go way down once right. you actually have to pay your taxes right and so i mean these numbers have grown like you know sure there's inflation but then you know appreciation you know in our market and so it's like you know early in my career you know it's like i used to get excited about a four thousand dollar paycheck you know that was just exciting as heck but um you know, as we've progressed and the markets progressed and appreciation, inflation, everything else. Now, you know, when you have checks come at you for 40 or $50,000, I mean, you can get in a lot of trouble if you don't manage things properly. And, uh, you know, I know many a transaction coordinator at some of the brokerages that talk about, you know, how many uh, IRS uh, payment plans they contribute to for the sake <laughs> of agents on a monthly basis. We don't want to be those agents. Um, you know, it can happen to the best of us, you know, being, you know, busy on the day to day. And if you're not keeping track, I mean, you could, we all can be in for a surprise. Um, I know this is like a pretty large topic and I know that, you know, we could really get carried away, but I guess maybe I'll start off with maybe tackling, you know, some just kind of my gross strategy after talking to my CPA on how I tackle things. So first of all, you know, being self-employed, you file a Schedule C on your taxes. Being self-employed, being 1099, uh, your CPA will file a Schedule C for you. 
And being that we're in California, we pay federal and state tax. So what uh, he'll do is, you know, based on my previous year's income, he'll figure out what my quarterly payments are. So it's important to make quarterly tax payments to keep yourself on track tax wise. Um, So the way I manage this is every basically check that comes in, um, I already have, you know, about 10 to 15,000 in, you know, costs for the transaction that already come out. And I have 5% that the brokerage takes towards my stock, you know, that I purchase because I can purchase up to 5% of each, you know, stock. And so um, aside from this, I transferred 30% into a business savings. And that 30% is what I attribute to like tax money. And, um, and then I pretty much take another percentage and I've had to adjust it just based on what personal expenses are. But I try to take like a monthly transfer of personal expenses, which are anything that's not in the business. Cause like my vehicle for work is in the business paid by the business, right? Like there's insurance for the business. There's just, there's a lot of costs that are under the business, but then there's personal expenses, which are outside. And so, I mean, it's going to be different for everybody, but I try to, you know, basically break things out as these, you know, checks come in. And I'm so used to saying checks, but since COVID, they're pretty much wire transfers. So when the wire transfer comes in, I have all my accounts connected with the same bank. So I just transfer money around, Um, you know, in a perfect world when everything's flowing really well and there's never any kind of financial challenges or anything or any big obligations or what have you, you can be pretty effective with this. And then as far as your quarterlies, you hope that they go up every year because like my CP always reminds me, you know, the poor, the more you pay, the more you make. So um, it's important that uh, you do keep up with your estimateds and not, if you're really growing and you want to be more successful every year, then you got to be able to adjust what you're paying. You should be paying more every year. Well, and I think, you know, you bring up interesting like point too, is because I think you have grown your business to the point where you have, you know, both, both like a professional CPA and like kind of your bookkeeper that kind of that will help you keep track of your expenses. Kind of. I depend well, on that her. will. I know. <laughs> I will. And I think, you know, regardless of where you are in your business, like as you're growing out your business, I think, you know, having a CPA, having someone that will help you prepare your taxes is definitely an important like partnership to get right. Um, for those that may not be at a point in their business where they have a CPA, you know, that's or where they might have not have their own bookkeeper. That's where, you know, where Shane was trying to joke with me at the beginning, but that's where, you know, your friend Excel comes in handy quite a bit. Um, you know, it's, if you can't afford any of these fancy expense tracking softwares or tools or bookkeepers, fancy, well, I mean, there are things out there, right? There are things out there like programs and softwares that you can use to track your, the expenses for your business, right? If you can't, yeah, you're, you don't you're have right the money that. to hire a bookkeeper. Um, and if you can't afford that because you're just starting off, you know, the easiest thing to do is get yourself a copy of Excel and, and track it yourself. You know, that's one thing I started doing from the very beginning because I love my Excel spreadsheets and I just love making all, all these, all these tracking tools. But when I started, I just use Excel on the revenue side. It's, you know, I do track for every single transaction that I do. You know, I track 
KPIs or I, I track like metrics, like what was my list price? What's the sale price? How much did I make based off of that? What are my, what's my commission, right? And then from a commission perspective, then I calculate, okay, how much do I owe? How much am I paying to my brokerage? What are the various fees I have to pay? So then for every single transaction, I have a spreadsheet that breaks that breaks it down into each of these core categories. And not only does that help me figure out what my ultimate net take-home pay is before taxes, certainly, but it also allows me over the course of a year to really see like how much have I paid into my brokerage. And then at the year end, that allows me then to do a, a checkup, so to speak, right? To say, okay, does it still make sense? Like what fees am I paying to my brokerage? Does it make sense what fees I'm paying you know, when it comes to a listing, does it make sense the fees that I'm paying for a transaction coordinator? And overall, like then I can kind of assess, okay, the direct expenses I'm putting into my business, like does it still make sense? Or are there other areas I need to dig into and try to see if there's ways that I can, you know, improve some of my cost? Right. Well, and that's, I mean, that's obviously super smart, super detailed. I mean, you're not an engineer by chance, are you? Oh, I don't. How did you know? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, no, I, so going back to what you're saying with the costs, like, yeah, like the bookkeeper is very reasonable. CPAs can get expensive, but here's the thing is that another thing to keep in mind is like when I started as a solo agent before I even had an assistant, like you can do your own tracking and you keep things simple, but like when you grow, not just income, because obviously I bring in over seven figures, that's a lot of money to like try and manage without a professional. Like oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you can get in a lot of trouble. You can have a lot. So that's one thing is the amount of money that comes in. But the other thing is multiple employees and payrolls and commercial leases and warehouses and staging and commercial vehicles. And so it's just like, it gets to a point where you really, it's not a luxury, it's a necessity. So I think that this is great that you and I are talking about this because obviously we're on both ends of the spectrum. Like you're experienced, but you know, you've kind of kept like a solopreneur, right? Now part of the organization, but you're kind of like, that's kind of how I started, you know? And so I, I think that, yeah, simple tracking methods is great. And then basically graduating to like a bookkeeper slash CPA, um, and then, I mean, and then let's talk about, because I mean, there's the part about managing what comes in, but I mean, I think we also need to address like, okay, we're talking about the revenue side and how to disperse that and how to track that. But then how about on the expense side, like the investment in the business and what you really have to spend, you know, like how do you gauge how much you can invest? How do you gauge, is it a percentage? What can you spend? Like for me, I got to a point where I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to invest 10% of my revenue into marketing. That was kind of a metric I came up with, right? right. But it's like, it's, I mean, what's your take on that? Like, how do you structure what you can spend? Well, I think part of that is really understanding like your overall numbers, right? Like you have a baseline, let's say, so, so for you and I, as an example, right, we make certain income out of real estate. There's also a baseline of costs that we have for, you know, everyday living, right? So we have to understand that. You have to track that. You have to realize on a monthly basis what you're spending already, right? Um, 
you have to, so that's kind of your baseline cost, I would think on a monthly basis. And then you have to then take a look at for each listing, like how much are you making? Right. And then you get it ultimately like, so for you, so you came up with a metric of 10% for your marketing costs. Right. But not everyone may be able to do that, but that's kind of, again, goes back to tracking for me, at least tracking down to that individual listing level, because with each listing, then, you know, again, with my spreadsheets, I like to get fancy. I, I like to put in percentage levers, right? Right. And when I put in percentage levers, then I can kind of do a sensitivity analysis and figure out like, okay, on average with the listing here in San Jose, what is my average profit margin on like a million dollar home on a $1.5 million home, right? And then based on that and how much profit I'm making, then I can tell myself, okay, I might need to sell 10 homes a month, right? To have a healthy enough margin to where I can put 10% into marketing. I look at it that way. Wow. Those are some uh, lofty goals there, Mr. Jin. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I'm using that as an example, right? But what I'm trying to say is like, you have to model, for me, I like to model out, okay, what is my baseline number of transactions I have to do to cover my living expenses every month? And then from that percentage, then from there, then I have to figure out, okay, how much more do I need to sell to be able to maintain like a 10% marketing budget on every listing that I have. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, well, but then the thing for me though, too, is that, and this is where it gets tricky is that like, yeah, you know what your baseline living costs are and what your like baseline, like business costs are. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Now, if you're watching on YouTube or streaming this on your podcast platform, if you could do us a favor, leave a comment down below and let us know where you're listening or watching the show from today. It greatly helps with the algorithm and helps us get reach out to more people who need or want to hear what we have to say. We greatly appreciate it. And now back to the show. With you and your business right now, like what do you feel like is a healthy profit margin for yourself? Realistically, and and I've tried to cut, because there's only so much you can do in cutting overhead. Like the last couple of years, obviously, there's been, for me, I know that there's been some missteps on you know, overhead cost. Like there's certain things I should have done differently. So I wouldn't have so much overhead, but I think that it's safe to say that a 30% profit margin, believe it or not, you would think it'd be more, but a 30% profit margin for me the last four or five years is healthy, you know, but that just, of course it's going to vary, right? Because, you know, if you're bringing in a hundred thousand a year and your profit margin is 30%, like, that's probably tough to even be able to live, right? So right. those numbers adjust as you grow. And then the other thing too is that it's also based on if you're volume play or if you're doing less transactions on a higher dollar because that can matter too. I mean, if you're doing a ton of volume, because see, that's one of my my issues, for instance, is I don't cherry pick, right? So it's like, you know, I'm going to list a $600,000 house and still probably spend 10,000 on marketing, staging, everything else. Whereas, you know, I'll, I'll list a $3 million house and maybe that number's 15,000. But when you look, or even 20,000 sometimes, but then when you look at the gross commission on each and you look at those costs, you see how the percentages just go out the window? Yeah. Like literally yeah. like you're helping maybe a repeat client or referral or whatever, sell something at 600, but it's not really technically profitable when you really like take out all your costs and taxes and everything 
you know, it's, and I know that in business, like you win some, you lose some, or things kind of average out. But you see what I'm saying? If I, if I average, I know there's not that many properties that cheap in our market, but, you know, even if I only averaged $800,000 transactions versus averaging $2 million transactions, I mean, that's going to be a huge difference. Like the profit margin on the profit margin on the lower transactions. I mean, I'd be lucky to eke out like a 10% profit margin. But if I was averaging 2 million transactions, then, you know, I could probably get to 40 or 50%. You see what I'm saying? So it's just, And on every individual transaction, I think to your point, like the profit margins are going to be super different, right? I think on aggregate, you probably want to hit some kind of target, right? Yeah, no, you you do. But then that's the thing too, is that to be consistent, then like for me, like some people will be like, I'm just in this neighborhood or I'm just in this price point or whatever. But for me, it's like, you know, repeat and referral, that's the heart of my business. And if I end up with, you know, 10 $800,000 transactions in a row or or 10 3 million you know $3 million transactions in a row like it's I'm not necessarily targeting right I'm I'm targeting the fact that I built these relationships and I want to keep working with this clientele but I'm not targeting so you know to get your aggregate do you see what I'm saying well I I mean I think the more important thing is and I think kind of the message I want to convey at least in this episode is that you know, like to your, to what we've kind of talked about is, you know, the profit margins are going to, they're going to vary. They're going to aggregate like on aggregate, they might be at a certain level, right? Some might be lower, some might be higher. Um, but I think the more important thing, and I think the message we're trying to convey here though, is that it's just important to try to, to at least get a better gauge, right. Of what your business does look like on a monthly and on an annual basis, right? Like you at least want to know, whether or not you're, you know, you're making like ten thousand well, dollars in yeah. profit versus twenty thousand dollars in profit, right? Or you're making nothing in profit, like that. That is kind of one of the most important things that you do have to figure out. You're right. I'm kind of going into the weeds on that. I mean, obviously, like I'm going a little too too deep there, but <laughs> I was just saying that, you know, it's just I was kind of curious to see what your take was on what a good profit margin is. I mean, it's just hard to believe that, you know, we run on over a fifty percent cost. Like that just, I had a really hard time with that. And I, like I've analyzed and tried to figure out how to get that down. And it's like I said earlier, like there's a certain level of where overhead is what it is. You just got to go make more money. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, there's a certain point that that's, that's it. Like here's your baseline and it's going to be at 50 or 60% if you don't go make more money. Well, and that's part of the reason, like, as you kind of progress in your business, like year over year over year, why it's important to to very much understand like not just how much revenue you bring in, but also your expenses, right? Because over time, you can see how your expenses change, right? If they do at all or not, right? Or do they keep pretty consistent? Because you're going to have fixed expenses every year, right? Whatever that might be. Like to your point, like you having like a CPA, you having a bookkeeper, you having support staff, there's a certain amount of fixed cost every year, right? Right. And then your variable cost on top is dependent on potentially how many listings you have, right? And what you're spending on marketing, what you're spending on uh, fixing some of these listings before you go to market. It is good to understand like how your expenses trend over over the years, from year over year over year, because then you have a better sense of, okay, 
Like there's only, to your point, there's only so many levers I can pull on the expense side to be able to cut costs, right? Right. Because your fixed costs often will stay the same year over year over year. Then it comes to, okay, what are the other levers I have to play with? And then you have to go back to the revenue side. And price points in this area, like, you know, relatively consistent, right, on average. And so then to your point, it just becomes the only lever you have to pull then is the volume lever on the revenue side, right? Which means you just have to sell more and more and more. And you have to figure out, okay, so if I have, a, if I have like 50,000 a year in expenses, like what is my break even point at a minimum, right? And that's where you have to at least get to, right? And then you build on top of that. Well, the other thing too, is that, you know, one thing that I've thought about adjusting at different points the last couple of years is whether or not I want to charge some kind of a fee, especially on the lower price listings. But it's like, it's hard because especially if you're repeat clients, your referrals, it's like, you don't want someone to feel like they're getting special treatment, you know, and someone else has to pay because then, then it's going to be a little complicated. You know, if basically you're like, okay, well, um, here's my, you know, cousin or whatever, they want to sell their house kind of like we did, you know, but it's like, then their cousin lives in some town out in the boonies where their house is only like 300,000, but your other clients was a million and a half. It's like, it's hard because you can't be like, oh yeah, sorry, cousin. I know I staged for your, for your cousin, but I can't stage for you. You're gonna have to pay. You see what I'm saying? It's like, right. you don't really want to get into the minutia because then they're going to be like, well, but my cousin says you include staging or you, so you see what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. I, I've kicked that around and it's like, really at the end of the day, that becomes more of a volume play. Okay. If you're going to have a bunch of referrals that happen to be in lower price points, well, you know, you better be really pushing to, you know, sell what you can and really just focus on the volume versus, you know, just specific transactions. Cause I mean, we do the math one half a million dollar transaction is five, two and a half million dollar. You know what I mean? It's like five, $500,000 transactions is a two and a half million dollar transaction. And if you think about it, you just five X the cost. You literally just increased your costs by 500% for the same revenue. That's crazy. It is. It is. And so it's one of those things where it's like, if these, if listening to this episode and talk, hearing about these numbers is making your mind just kind of go crazy. Cause you know, not everyone's a numbers person. Um, I love numbers. I know I do too, but <laughs> not everyone is right. And so if you guys find yourself needing help with, you know, keeping track of your expenses or whatnot, like reach out to reach out to me, reach out to Shane. Like I'm happy to share any of the Excel stuff that I've come up with to help me track my business expenses. I'm happy to share with you guys. Um, and the other thing, like there's another tool. And again, like it doesn't really matter. It's kind of like CRMs, right? It doesn't really matter what tool you use. Just start tracking your expenses, right? Just use it. Just use it. Just use something <laughs> that use will work tool. for you. Yeah. Use something that'll work for you, right? It could be Excel if you like Excel. If you want another resource, one thing I've discovered recently is actually Airtable. And I know we use it on our team to kind of track our listings. But within Airtable, you can actually do a really cool thing. You can set it up so that it's basically like Excel on a platform. And it has a much easier to understand like user interface. And so one thing that I've started doing with my listings is now I have a CRM. Or now, I have a, now I have a listing spreadsheet database, how I track my active and completed closed listings. But then for each listing in Airtable, I can also add in Excel formulas 
So I can keep track of the same things I used to keep track of in Excel, just now doing an Airtable. And with an Airtable, you can then create different sheets and pages, and you can link it all together with like your listing worksheet. So then I can keep track of, I can keep track of all my business expenses in Excel. I can have a page where I can summarize, you know, what my total commission is in Airtable. I can summarize what my total expenses on various listings are. I can bucket and categorize it out. And it's just a much cleaner interface to slice and dice versus, you know, having to go into Excel and building your own graphs and things like that. So again, if that sounds interesting to you guys, like whether it's Excel or Airtable, shoot us and I shoot us a private message, DM over social media, shoot us an email, reach out to us, and we'll happily share that with you to help you in your business. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, I uh, appreciate that. Obviously, you're, you'll be a lot more help with uh, the fancy spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm always, you know, obviously, I'm good with the numbers, and I'm always happy to discuss. Um, but yeah, and uh, I guess along those lines, I mean, obviously, we've looked at revenue, we looked at expenses, and, um, you know, we've talked a little about, you know, taxes, CPA, bookkeeper, etc. Um, you know, but then lastly, like, you know, banking, right? So uh, let's talk about bank accounts. And uh, this is another one that, you know, and I cringe. Uh, you need to have a business bank account for your real estate business. You have to have a separate personal account. Like you, you really like, and I can't say this enough because I can't tell you how many people I come across are not set up this way and, and not to bash anybody. A lot of people just don't know or don't understand, but you should set up a business account. All your real estate income should go into that business account. Your real estate expenses should come either out of that account or out of a credit card. That's a business credit card that you pay out of that account um, so that the books can be kept properly. And then that money in that account is not your money. That's your business's money. Then whatever your personal budget is, you can transfer that into a personal account. So you should have a business checking, business savings, personal checking and personal savings. I mean, that's really, you should be set up at least like that. Just basic. What is, and I, and I totally agree. Like what is your perspective on um, setting up an LLC? Well, I mean, you know, I have different LLCs for different businesses and I, I'm obviously a big fan. I think that, depending on your situation, like obviously it's my attorney that sets those up. Who's really good with LLCs. I think that you should consult with an attorney that does the LLCs and figure out what the best corporate structure is for you. Right. Cause some people, it makes sense to be a C corp. Some people an S corp, some people an LLC, you know, here in California, and I know it's an IRS thing as well, but like to be, to incorporate the real estate business and to be an employee of, my real estate business, I had to get my broker's license. And so I'm not 100% sure if it's like that in all states, if that's a federal thing or a state thing. But, um, you know, you want to consult with your CPA and an attorney. Like, I wouldn't just like go online and go set up your like $10 LLC. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to do it on their own and save money. Yeah. Like I would get legal advice. So yeah, I'm a big fan of setting up an LLC or or some kind of corporate structure. I mean, people, when they think of LLCs, people always think about, you know, getting away from liability. But obviously in this scenario, we're talking about for tax benefits, et cetera, more than like liability. Cause you know, a lot of people talk about putting their properties under LLCs and such. 
but um but i think here with the corporate structure we're kind of referring more to uh, so because essentially like if you're you know cpa and your attorney say hey set up your business as a c-corp and then add yourself to payroll and then you can figure out what your personal expenses are so you know kind of what paycheck to take but at the same time they're also going to look at your cash flow and look at your income and figure out you know how much you should be getting in a check because to a certain extent you're going to be somewhat double taxed to a certain extent for lack of a you know i'm not a cpa though so i'm not giving tax advice but i'm just saying like you're going to get a w-2 right so then your corporation gets 1099 and then you'll actually get a check and so yeah i mean michael i i definitely believe in llc's i use them um how about yourself what do you what are your thoughts i mean i I haven't personally um, gotten into an LLC. I think it's something that I do want to like explore further for myself. Like I think one for potential tax implications, but then also like to your point, and maybe we cover this in a future episode is kind of, you know, the, the, the liability coverage and what that, how that plays out. And, you know, I think, I think the takeaway here though is, you know, whether it's, you know, you're looking at your bookkeeping, whether you're looking at your taxes, whether you're looking at how do you best structure and run your business, like you're not alone in this process or don't feel like you have to figure everything out by yourself, right? Like even just on this episode, if you need the tools to be able to track like your business as you're starting off individually, you need spreadsheets, you need resources with that, like reach out to Shane and myself, we can help you with that. We can give you our tools. If you need help, recommendations with like CPAs, lawyers, if you're in California, like we have our own network of partners that we trust that we're happy to also try to help and refer you to also. Yeah. Um, and but- then I was also going to add to that, like, like New York, Florida, like, I mean, I've really like, we are strong in California and that's where we're at. So that's our network. But like, I can tell you right now, like, you know, I'm naming like New York, Florida, yeah. Nevada. Like I do, like, I know myself, I do have additional contacts in other states. So I would say just overall, just reach out and then we can possibly refer you to, you know, people that we know in other states that we work with as well. Yeah. I think it's, I think one of the key things, and again, this is not really related to profit, but I think the key to kind of running a successful business, whatever it is, is to really surround yourself with people who are experts in their field that you're not in. Right. And so whether it comes to finances or legal matters or anything else like we talked about in a previous episode you want to build out a strong partner network of partnerships and so just know that you're not alone in doing that so if you need help in any way you know reach out to us and we're we're happy to try to help you out and get you connected with the right people thanks michael 100 <laughs> percent all right guys well i mean obviously with profit and revenue and expenses we can dig into it a lot more today kind of was just a good overview episode and hopefully you pulled some nuggets out there and, you know, hopefully we'll hear from you soon if you want access to some of the tools that we use to help us manage our businesses. Um, hope you enjoy this episode and we will catch you on the next episode of the Top Producing Zone. That's a wrap. 